Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The news has been pretty full of wildfires lately, right? We've seen that on the news, and I, being a native Californian, it just seems that we've had more and more of these fires in recent years. I remember when we had one right in our own backyard just a couple years ago, uh, many of our members in East Orange and Anaheim Hills, they were evacuated and they had damage to their homes. I remember getting this message on the, on the phone, I don't know if you got it, mandatory evacuations. Uh, <clears throat> the sky became eerily apoc- apocalyptic, it was like from a movie. I was down here at church that day, I remember, and I went outside to kind of experience the ominous nature of the day. There was ash and smoke everywhere. I took this picture straight into the sun. This was the middle of the day. Does anybody remember that day? Remember that day? It was about two years ago. It was eerie. I went home that night, and I found large embers in my backyard. I took a picture of one of them. There it is. And my backyard's like four miles away from where the fires were. It's just amazing how the winds could carry that all the way. Seems like every year now around this time, we have these wild fires. This past week, we really saw it in the media. I took a snapshot of uh, one of the news channels I was watching. And this clip, there were 13 wildfires, there were 210,000 evacuations, freeways, and public transportation had been shut down, power being shut down to try to prevent the sparks from starting these fires. That's part of the big debate, isn't it? It's a huge debate. What starts these fires? Sometimes it's arson, sometimes it's natural lightning strikes, sometimes it's the power lines. I think a car accident started one over in Santiago this past week as well. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. The spark plus the tinder, and I'm not talking about apps here, and the hot dry winds, those three come together, make these wildfires spread so fast that tens of thousands of acres just can burn just like that. The spread of the fire is so vast and so quick That we use this terminology in our society today as a metaphor, right? It's spread like a wildfire. You'll hear things like news of the scandal spread like wildfire across the media. An outbreak of the deadly virus has been spreading like wildfire through the closely confined camp. These stories were spreading like wildfire through the neighborhood. That metaphor is driven a bit much more home for us Californians because we know how fast a wildfire can spread. Well, many people have looked at the history of the church and God's work in the world and have used that metaphor and compared certain events in our history to wildfires. Many have labeled the Protestant Reformation as one of those wildfires. But what started the wildfire? What was the spark? What was the cause? Now, a Lutheran pastor friend of mine posted this last week. Coffee reached Europe in 1515. Reformation came in 1517. So is there a direct correlation? <laughs> I don't know. I have loved coffee. I just had some just a little bit before the sermon, so if I'm going too fast, you know why. I tell my kids every morning how grateful I am for this gift from God. And they call it the nasty brown water. And I said, no, one day you will see. But I'm pretty sure it didn't spark the Reformation. 
We would say that the Holy Spirit started the spiritual wildfire of the Reformation and it's still burning in the world today. We can take that slide down if you'd like. Okay, yeah. As we all know, a fire starts with a spark. Now, for thousands of years, people have been starting fires with flint and with steel. Now, some would say that the Holy Spirit's flint and steel of choice are, on the one hand, the Word of God, and on the other hand, a regular human being. In particular, 500 years ago, the Holy Spirit chose Martin Luther, who at the time was an unknown Augustinian monk, who had been assigned to teach in a new backwater university in the Saxon town of Wittenberg. October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther publicly posted 95 theses about God because he wanted to start a conversation, a conversation about forgiveness, about repentance, and some questions he had about how we are made right with God. Now, some people, as you've heard, say that he nailed the 95 theses on the door of the Castle Church of Wittenberg. Some say that he mailed those theses to his superiors. Some say he did both. Now, whether he posted the document or whether he mailed the document, this is most certainly true, my friends. In the parlance of our times, he nailed it, right? Nailed it. The Western world, the Western church went crazy. Today we would say that Luther broke the internet. Or we might say that his blog post went viral. Using the social media innovation of the day, the movable type printing press, Luther's 95 theses about God were published. They were disseminated. They were spread. They were read all across Europe. And the world would never be the same. It was started out as a small little spark. A small little theological brush fire over the church's practice of selling indulgences, which was basically selling forgiveness of sins. That little spark, it erupted, and it soon became a raging societal wildfire. It's the wildfire of the Protestant Reformation, and it grew quickly from confronting the indulgences and selling of forgiveness, which of course was wrong, but it grew into reforming the entire church. If you come from any Protestant Christian tradition, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Reformed, Methodist, Congregational, Evangelical, non-denominational, all of them, in some way, the spark that the Holy Spirit started in and through Martin Luther and the Word of God is still burning within us today. As I mentioned a moment ago, the flint and the steel that the Holy Spirit used to ignite the Reformation with the Word of God and the life of an ordinary human being. The word of God was the steel, and the everyday human Luther was the flint, that little backwoods Augustinian monk. But of course, in addition to flint and to steel, in order to start a fire, you need more than a spark, right? You need tinder. You need kindling. You need a few dry sticks. You need something, something that's just eager to be burned. Like all that dried up chaparral biome we have up in all the hills in California, right? All that tinder, all that kindling, all that dried up stuff of the Reformation era, all that stuff that was just itching to burn was this sort of spiritual disease, this spiritual sickness that it hung over the Western church in Europe at the time of Luther and it hung over the church like a San Francisco fog. It was heavy, thick, oppressive, 
blinding and that foggy spiritual sickness, it hung over Luther himself too. So on the one hand, Luther knew. He knew that the greatest commandment was very simple. We are to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And so in order to do that, Luther decided he's going to become a monk. He was going to devote the entire life to loving God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength. Martin Luther found out something. He found that he could not do it. He couldn't love God perfectly. So Luther, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he would fall into cycles of depression, deep depression. Wondering if he was going to be condemned to hell because he could not love his creator, could not love his heavenly father the way he ought to. He knew he should, but he couldn't do it. And then one day Luther was reading the word of God and he was pondering the meaning of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. We just read it a moment ago. Because you remember that the steel that the Holy Spirit uses to start these spiritual wildfires is the word of God. And it struck the flint of Martin Luther's heart. And this little spark turned into a heart-warming fire, and Martin Luther realized. He realized that he did not have to achieve perfect love of God. Because in Jesus Christ, God the Father had already loved Luther perfectly. Many years later, he remembered that epiphany, that moment. And he wrote about it. He said these words. He said, I greatly long, he wrote, I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. And nothing stood in the way except that one expression, the righteousness of God. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the righteousness of God and the statement that the just or the righteous shall live by faith. And then I grasped that the righteousness of God is that righteousness by which, through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us, or God makes us righteous through faith. Luther wrote this. He said, Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. That's a big, long quote from Luther, but I want to unpack it. Luther was talking about this grace relationship with God. Who initiates this personal relationship that we all need to have with our Heavenly Father? Who makes the first phone call? Who texts first? And in terms of Tinder, who swipes right first? While reading Romans, Luther realized it's not us. We don't initiate the relationship God does. Luther was laser-focused in on that one little phrase, the righteousness of God. Romans 3, the righteousness of God has been made known. Luther had at first, at first he believed that the righteousness of God was a standard that we had to be equal to. It was something we had to have within us. It was we had to be righteous. We had to love God. We had to pick up the phone first. We had to text first. We had to swipe right first. We had to initiate the relationship with God and we had to keep it going. Luther realized, as we all do, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. And so as he was reading the word of God carefully, quietly, devotionally, reading the word of God, 
He is focused on that phrase, the righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of Luther, not the righteousness of the Pope, not the righteousness of the priest, not the righteousness of his wife, not the righteousness of the people, the righteousness of God. Luther realized that the righteousness of God is actually a free gift. Paul writes to us, Romans chapter 3, that the life, that the death, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrates, it shows God's righteousness. God shows himself righteous by saving all who believe in him, who trust in him. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He said, God became a human being and moved on into the neighborhood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just or to be righteous. And the one who justifies or the one who pronounces righteous, those who have faith in Jesus. Luther discovered that God starts the relationship. God picks up the phone. God makes the first call. God texts us first. He says, I love you. I choose you. I forgive you. I save you. I make you righteous. I died for you. God starts that grace relationship with each and every one of us. And if we start to think about it, we go back through our Sunday school years, we go back through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we start to look at all these major characters, we ask ourselves, did any of them initiate their relationship with God? Or was God the one to pick up the phone first? You think about Abraham and Sarah, that old couple with no kids, did they choose God? God called them, God promised them a land and many descendants and a blessing that would be a blessing to all. And you think about their grandson, Jacob, the guy who robbed his own brother of birthright and blessing. Did he choose God? No. He was running for his life and God appeared to him in a dream and promised him, I will be your God and I will bless you also. What about Moses? He was an escapee, wanted for murder. Did Moses seek out God because he wanted to go back and rescue God's people from slavery? You read that story, you understand the question is no. God appeared to Moses, then he chose Moses and he promised and I will go with you. I will deliver the people through you. What about David? Did David volunteer to be king of Israel? He was out tending the sheep as a young man. God said, you're going to be the shepherd of my people. We look in the New Testament. Did Elizabeth say, I'm going to be the mother of John the Baptist? No. Mary, I'm going to be the mother of the Savior? No. Peter, James, and John, they're just sitting there fishing, and Jesus comes along, and he calls them. He says, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. Paul, Paul was on the Damascus road. He was going to go persecute the church. He was going to snuff out the Christian faith. He had killed Stephen, essentially, and, the, and Christ struck Paul on that Damascus road, made him blind, then healed him, and then chose him and turned him in to the greatest apostle to the Gentiles. Did any of them choose God? God chose them. God initiates the relationship. The righteousness comes from God. Martin Luther came to know that with his whole being. And the Holy Spirit struck the steel of, the, of God's word against the heart of Martin Luther. And it started a wildfire that spread all across Christianity. And it burned up the spiritual disease of works righteousness. The word of God, sola scriptura. And an ordinary human being came together and created quite a spark. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. 
As I've prayed about this and I've wondered about it, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would take hold of the steel of God's word again, that he would strike it against the hearts of us, normal, ordinary human beings. And that would spark a new fire within us, within the church, a new reformation that would spread like wildfire. What would it look like? Maybe it'd be a fire that burns up hatred and prejudice and oppression and sexism and racism and broken relationships and economic hardships and all the brittle, broken tinder of this world and our lives and our hearts that's just eager to be burned up. And that a new fertile soil after this fire would emerge, bringing new life to this world, to our lives to our communities, to the world, through God's people and his word. And that the words of St. Paul would be kind of realized and experienced among us anew and again. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I love this line here. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet all are justified. All are pronounced righteous, freely, by his grace, through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.